This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today, as part of our town hall series in partnership with the Washington Indivisible Network and Indivisible Tacoma, we speak with David Hackney, a progressive who's taking on an incumbent Democrat in a race for representative in the 11th legislative district. This was recorded live on the evening of Tuesday, October 6th. We will speak finally tonight with David Hackney. Uh, David is an attorney who formerly worked at the Department of Justice, the United Nations, and the Nature Conservancy. He practiced both criminal and labor law. David is also a graduate of Harvard Law School. And while he was there, he also earned a master's in public administration from the JFK School of Government. Hang on. I'm not done, everybody. (laughs) In 2019, Governor Inslee appointed him as a commissioner on the Washington Human Rights Commission, and he also serves on the boards of of Tabor 100, the Alliance for Gun Responsibility, and the Tukwila Children's Foundation, and he is running for state representative in position one in the 11th legislative district. And this is a district that includes South Seattle, uh, Renton, Tukwila, and a portion of Kent. David Hackney, what a pleasure. How are you, sir? Thank you very much. How are you? Thanks for having me. You know, in addition to the CV that I just read, I will mention that you have an incredibly compelling personal story that I would encourage people to check out on your website. And I would just say, tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you've decided to run. But I'm honestly curious why you haven't chosen to run up until this point. Well, I'll tell you, I was, uh, uh, like a lot of people, motivated by our president to get more involved in the community and um, identified that I thought there was a real need for someone fighting for critical issues in the 11th district. You know, so like I said, I've been an attorney for 25 years, but I think my lived experience tells you more about how I will perform as a legislator. You know, I come from a proud union family. Uh, Both my grandfathers were union men. Um, One grandfather uh, survived the Great Depression and the other escaped the Jim Crow South because the United Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters and United Auto Workers were fighting for their economic and civil rights. I'm gonna fight to strengthen collective bargaining and to address income inequality in Olympia. When I started high school, uh, guidance counselors told my parents that I was not college material. And with the love and support of my family and investments from my community, I was able to obtain degrees from Cornell University and Harvard Law School. I'm gonna fight to meet the educational needs of every student in the 11th district to make sure they reach their full potential. While in high school, my best friend uh, was shot to death by another teenager who should have never had access to a firearm. I believe gun violence is preventable, and I'm going to fight for responsible gun laws in Olympia. And while uh, my senior year in college, my mother uh, uh, was diagnosed with terminal cancer at a time my family did not have health insurance. The subsequent medical bills crippled my family financially. I am going to fight for health care for all. Um, So these are the uh, critical issues that uh, that sort of inform me. They're not issues that I'm just talk about during campaign times. These are things that are, are very important to me because of my lived experience. I can tell they're personal to you, and I have some specific questions about those, but I will let people know that you are running to unseat an incumbent Democrat. And I'll just ask you, where are some of the areas where you feel your opponent is not meeting the needs of the 11th? So, uh, uh, you know, Tabor 100 is like a chamber of commerce for uh, small minority-owned uh, uh, businesses. And uh, while on the board of Tabor 100, I was their lead advocate for I-1000 to restore affirmative action to the state of Washington. You know, the uh, 11th district is in South King County. Um, we're a majority minority district. We're a district that has a lower average median income uh, than, uh, than the rest of King County. Did not see my opponent as part of the fight. 
did not see him helping to organize the district on that very important issue. Again, served on the board of the Alliance for Gun Responsibility, fighting for I-1639, which was to, to raise the age of, of uh, purchase for handguns and safe storage and other responsible gun laws. Again, did not see my opponent, even though South King County has experienced 77% of all the gun violence in King County. And on that critical issue, could not find my opponent uh, when we needed him, either in the legislature or in, in the community, when we we're trying to organize people uh, on this very important issue. And uh, lastly, um, you know, the, the 11th district is the majority renters district. Yet my opponent was one of four Democrats to vote against protections for renters and a code of conduct uh, for landlords. Turns out my opponent is a landlord and he has been cited uh, uh, approximately five times in the last three years, including for wrongful eviction. I felt that he was out of touch. I felt that the 11th district needed someone to fight on these critical issues and not just in Olympia. These, when you are passionate about these, you will fight with the initiative stage, you will fight uh, to get people registered to vote, you will fight to get them to sign petitions, you will fight to get the job done. You are alluding to this in, in what you've just said about the ways in which your opponent has come up short and also in your personal story, but uh, very prominent uh, on your platform are issues of income inequality and economic opportunity. You see on your website, my life has been shaped by the opportunities that I was offered in dire times. You've alluded to those as representative. I will dedicate myself to ensuring that everyone has access to opportunities that will allow them to thrive. Um, this, of course, is so important. It's also an extraordinarily heavy lift. And this is a big question, but I'll just ask you, in your mind, what are some of the immediate obstacles to access and how do we start to remove them? Again, yeah, it is a, uh, it's a big question. I mean, uh, my, my story is not uncommon. The issues that I deal with are issues that working class people in the 11th district have dealt deal with every day and with their lives. Again, lack of access to health care. You know, healthcare is not a good that I think that should be allocated by a market system. It's a right. And we have, to, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, agnostic on the particular uh, vehicle that we use, whether it's a single payer system or an expansion of Medicare or, or some other system like um, um, one of the candidates talked about today, the German system. But we have to do it. This pandemic is, is not coming up with new problems. These are problems that have existed. It's just shining a spotlight on them. Um, again, I lost my best friend to gun violence. Gun violence is a plague that can be addressed um, we, with responsible gun laws. These are things that hold communities of color and low-income communities back. Um, in addition, um, mass incarceration, which I haven't talked about, which I've experienced in both, both my immediate family and my extended family. Um, the the uh, lack of opportunities for people re-entering from the criminal justice system back to the economy. Um, these are issues that, again, hold people back and uh, prevent them from, one, participating in the economy and helping uh, grow our economy. Um, alcohol and substance abuse, lack of treatment, um, which is, you know, not only leads to, you know, employment issues and housing issues and family issues. Again, these are things that um, I experienced in my own family and uh, was able to navigate, but I recognize that so many others uh, have not. And finally, lack of mental health resources. Um, the state of Washington, I think, is woefully behind in how we deal with uh, mental health, particularly for uh, individuals that aren't, are unable to care for themselves. 
I'm told by many that they have to go out of state to find uh, resources to assist them when they're dealing with someone, um, either a, a, a relative or a child uh, that needs uh, custodial care. So these are the kinds of things that my, I saw growing up and I see it in my community. And you know, it's, it's one thing to say, I will vote if someone brings that bill to the floor. I think we need people to fight for these critical issues. We need to organize the district to understand how these critical issues impact their lives. And yes, the government is here to help. I know that this is something that is going to be coming up in this next session that is going to, to be a challenge um, in the face of so much of what you've just talked about. And that is uh, the fact that we, even though the EFRC has uh, adjusted our state's budget shortfall upwards, we're now looking at about $4 billion, we're still anticipating that in the next session, the GOP is going to push for austerity measures. These were the sorts of things that were pushed uh, in the 2008 in response to the 2008 recession. What are your thoughts here on, on how to fight back against that? Again, I think you just have to, one, the example of what happened in 2008 recession, those cuts disproportionately impacted low-income pe- people and people of color, and they're still uh, suffering the consequences from them. You know, we are going to have to um, uh, invest in uh, economic stimulus to save small businesses, particularly restaurants and childcare providers, who under phase two are required to to only have 50% occupancy and the business model doesn't work. We're losing thousands of those businesses every month and they are not gonna magically magically resurrect themselves when this pandemic is over. When people say, Dave, how can you afford all these things? So extending unemployment benefits to people, people are not, Uh, not working because the benefits are too much. During this pandemic, jobs have been lost. I mean, you you have to be uh, a a fool not to see that. Um, We have to also include gig workers. You know, we have to include other people to give them protection. The economy, if you understand how the economy works, you understand that these massive cuts are just going to make the economic recession longer and deeper. The economy grows when regular Washingtonians have more earning and spending power. That causes businesses, they buy more goods and services, businesses make more capital expenditures and hire more workers. If we take the demand out of the economy because we have people that can't work, that's gonna cause businesses to shrink. They're gonna have to lay off workers, which means demand will go down again and will go into a spiral. A University of Washington study um, concluded that for every dollar we spend, on extending foster care from 18 to 21, we save $6. We have to make smart investments. It's not whether we can afford to make these investments, we can't afford not to. If we uh, don't act, if we don't use our rainy day fund, if we don't use this as a catalyst to bring the Republicans on board and say, we are going to have to change the way we raise revenue. We're not raising enough to get through this crisis. We're going to have to call on the federal government, you know, through the uh, HEROES Act and others to help us. If we don't act immediately, if we don't act fast, and if we take the easy way out and have an austerity uh, budget, these problems will only get worse. It is evident to me and probably everybody listening and watching here tonight that you are the sort of voice to make that argument in Olympia. 
I, I, just a couple uh, last questions for you in the time that we have remaining. Uh, you said something on your site that was intriguing to me. You said that the 11th is one of the few areas left in King County with affordable housing, but that the legislature must do more to keep people in their homes and communities. What specifically? So right now during this, so that was actually written before the pandemic, you know, but it, it, becomes, it becomes even more important now. You know, obviously we have to have uh, a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. And the moratorium is not enough. We've got now renters and homeowners that are piling up debt that when this moratorium ends, they'll have no way of paying. So we're also gonna have to think about ways of how to um, uh, retire that debt um, uh, uh, for them. I think we need to have protections for renters um, from uh, you know, not just cause evictions. You know, you have uh, women that are victims of domestic violence who are being evicted because they're causing a disturbance of the peace. You know, I do believe in rent control. When you get a 30-year mortgage, what you get is stable pricing for your housing, which allows you to have a stable, you know, stable housing. I think that's definitely something we can do. I think, you know, we have to get off of the drug of increasing property taxes because we don't have the will uh, to come up with progressive taxes. In this time of pandemic, we all need PPE, personal protective equipment. I believe we also need PPD, proud progressive Democrats who are gonna stand up and say, we are going to have to address these problems like adults. It's not going to be easy, but if we're gonna solve these problems, we're gonna have to address them head on in a way that makes sense. Things that have been off the table previously are now on the table because of this crisis. We can use this catalyst for good. These are problems that have lasted, you know, have been going on for a while. You know, with respect to, you know, everything from police misconduct, the Seattle police have been under scrutiny from the federal uh, courts for 10 years for the lack of health care. Now, lack of housing during a pandemic. Now we recognize how badly we have uh, managed things. And this is an opportunity to use our um, majorities in the House, majority in the Senate and our Democratic governor to finally do something. We've got to stop playing defense scared that we're going to lose our majority. The fact that we have a majority means we better use it. If we don't use it now, I can't imagine when. We need PPD. We need proud progressive Democrats. I, I love that. I'm going to put it on a bumper sticker. Um, and when speaking of which, you are not the type of candidate that the Seattle Times usually endorses, uh, a proud progressive Democrat, which I, I think surprised a lot of people. Um, were you surprised? And what do you think this says about your campaign? I was very surprised. I was very surprised. They, it was a rough and tumble endorsement interview. I think what I, I think with people, the message that resonates, I think, is that the 11th district is ready for change. You know, I am not running a negative campaign to say anything negative about my opponent. He has been an, he's an 18 year incumbent. He's been a solid Democratic vote. What he has not been is a leader on critical issues. He has not been someone that has organized the district. He has not been someone that has organized the 11th LD caucus and increased the number of PCOs. There's just an opportunity to bring more people into the community. You know, we lost R88, which would have restored affirmative action uh, to the state of Washington by less than a percent. What if we would have had a leader that would have organized people in the 11th district, which has one of the lowest voting turnouts in the state? What if we had, would have had someone putting pressure on other legislators when we're trying to regulate high capacity magazines. I just think of all the potential that's wasted. This is not a job where you merely, it's nine to five, you check in, 
you vote with the caucus, and then you put up your hands. We need fighters. These are important issues. These are lives that are at risk in this district uh, because of decisions that have been made by policymakers. You know, I don't ask people to vote for me for the color of my skin. I ask you to vote for me for the strength of my convictions. I'm going to go there and work as hard as I can to make sure that people understand these progressive initiatives. There are, people have called me on the streets when I was, uh, uh, are you a socialist? No, I'm trying to make this economy work. People have accused me, I'm going in against the incumbent. You're trying to bring down the Democratic Party? No, I'm trying to improve it. I'm trying to make it work for people. That's my goal. Can I be honest with you? I honestly, uh, today I've been kind of dragging and I've been hearing it from a lot of people that were in the final stages of this four year long slog and people were tired and uh, listening to you, I feel buoyed up. I feel really, really buoyed up by your by your words. I, I want to thank you so much for for your time tonight, for joining us and uh, and really for for everything that, that I think you're going to bring to this. Well, thank you. I'm trying to trying to match the energy of joy. Right. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think there's going to be a new wave coming in. And I'm really excited about the opportunity. You know, I've got to work hard. I will also I'll make a pitch for myself. Please. You know, um, you know, uh, in the primary, all the major institutions, the Democratic institutions said, you know, hey, Dave, uh, I love what you're doing, but we normally support the incumbent. Uh, I won the primary by 12 points. I got the sole endorsement of the 11th district. I got the sole endorsement of the King County Dems and the King County Young Dems. I went back to those same individuals and they said, you know, Dave, we're focusing on swing districts, not focusing on Dem on Dem races. So uh, fundraising has been a challenge. And uh, it's a challenge that even though, you know, I think when I, my message gets out, it resonates. Um, my struggle is making sure I reach enough people with this record turnout so that people understand what I'm about and what I'm doing. And I'll also point out that my opponent has definitely uh, uh, gone negative. Um, distorting my record and uh, with some really ugly attacks, which I which I was disappointed by. Well, the, I would love for people to go and check out your website because, as I say, uh, it you talk about your your personal story, which is just so compelling. What is your website? It's Hackney H A C K N E Y for the eleventh F O R T H E the number eleventh T H dot com. Again, David Hackney, thank you so much for your time tonight, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a great forum. I learned so much from my uh, other candidates. I'm, I'm taking notes. Uh, the, the experience they have and the things they're talking about were excellent. My thanks again to David Hackney. Thanks also to Kat Pipkin with the Washington Indivisible Network and Julie Unjievsky with Indivisible Tacoma. And that is it for today. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Thanks this week to Catherine Fysears. Special thanks to Lori Cowell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. 